This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest sign is Andy Lano II. Let me give you a little background on Andy. For 25 years, he was one of the top caddies out on the PGA Tour. The list of tour players that Andy has caddy for is long and distinguished. That list includes players like Kenny Perry, Tom Watson, Peter Jacobson, Nick Faldo, Shea Reevy, Michelle Wee, and our good friends Dave Stockton Jr. and Richard Zokel. He played, his co- he played high school golf, first of all, at Deering High School in Portland, Maine, then his college golf at Western Kentucky University. And he has been witness to a lot of great golf history. He caddied in over 40 majors, including nine Masters tournaments and the 2004 Ryder Cup matches. He was on the bag for Michelle Wee in 2006 at the 84 Lumber Classic when she was playing up against the men. He was inducted into the Maine Golf Hall of Fame back in 2010, retired from the PGA Tour in 2016, started his own business called Golf Mastery, which helps players master the game from a strategic management point of view. Go online and check it out, golfmastery.net, and I'm honored to have him with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Andy, thanks for coming on the show. How are you? Doing great, Chris. Hey, I appreciate you having me on and uh, just enjoying the sun out here in uh, the great state of Washington. Nah, good for you. So, Andy, I want to start, like I mentioned in your intro, you're from Maine. You played your college golf at Western Kentucky. How does a New England kid end up playing his college golf out in Kentucky? The short version was, as, as growing up as a kid, you know, I played, you know, the three sports, basically football, basketball, baseball. And um, I used to play basketball uh, with a gentleman that went to Western Kentucky. And he kind of recruited me to go down there and check it out because I, you know, I ended up dropping baseball as, as a freshman in high school and choosing golf over baseball, which was a tough decision because I was pretty good at baseball up to that point. But I wanted, I had aspirations and dreams of trying to play. So I said, you know, I've got to go where the climate's a little warmer. So um had a connection there, went down, actually made the team as a walk-on, and that's basically how it happened. And, and that's where I the met guy Kenny that you Perry. Ended up, <laughs> right. You got you end up uh, meeting Kenny Perry, and the next thing you know, you know, golf history is made with the two of you uh, teaming together for many years. What was it like playing as a as a partner with Kenny in college? Well, I got to tell you, I mean, Kenny on our team, we had a fantastic team. I mean, we had a great lineup of people. I mean, Kenny's obviously done the best uh, of anybody on our team, but I mean, it was tough to even break the top five to make a road trip, but. Um, it was, it was, Kenny was a great player then. The ironic thing about Kenny is he never won a college golf tournament. He finished second a bunch of times, but he never really won one. He won a bunch of mini tours. And as you know, he's done quite well on the PGA tour with 14 wins and an additional 10 more, I guess, on the champions tour. So it was fun to play with Kenny and, uh, actually had a special moment. I made my first hole in one with Kenny standing next to me. So that was pretty special. Because that's about the only time I've ever beat him on a hole. <laughs> and and Andy, you were on the bag with, with Kenny for a long time, including his win in your backyard there at the 94 Bank of Boston Classic. So I was curious, what was it like getting a win on tour in front of sort of the home fans for you? I mean, I got to tell you, all the wins that I was fortunate enough to be a part of was special, but that one really was special. 
And the reason why was, is obviously, as you mentioned earlier, being from Portland, Maine, going to Worcester or Sutton, Mass, that was the nearest tour event for us to go attend. We, you know, we only had there or Hartford, and Hartford was another 50 miles. So my dad used to take me down there as a kid, you know, and, and watch. And I, and I, you know, I was familiar with just the, obviously the holes around there. But the, the, a lot of funny different things happened that week. But, you know, I mean, Kenny wasn't initially even going to go to the tournament. He had played like six in a row, but he started to play really good. And, I, you know, I encouraged him, and he never had any luck up there. And he just he really wanted to go home. But, you know, we, we talked about it, and he realized he was playing. And he goes, you know what, maybe you're right. He had some really nice friends up there that he stays with, and they talked him into it. So we got up there, and we just kind of went along, and, Ended up winning the tournament, and and I'll never forget it. It was really neat, and you know, we nudged uh, you know David Faraday by one shot. And Andy, you were also on the bag for him uh, at the 2004 Ryder Cup at Oakland Hills, which wasn't the U.S. team's finest hour. But when you when you get an opportunity to be a part of a Ryder Cup and be on the bag in an event like that, what's that like? I mean, it, honestly, outside of the outcome, it was um, amazing. And, you know, Hal Sutton was our captain. And, and I say this, is Hal Sutton was, a, as I say, a pro caddy guy. So he was a four caddy guy, you know. Back when I started in 87, I mean, caddies could barely even get near the locker room or around Hal, I mean, he really opened up the door for what the caddies have today at these events. I mean, he gave us a Cadillac courtesy car. We parked next to the players. We had a locker inside. We, you know, we, we ate with the players. I mean, we, we had input. We had a first class ticket to the event. So, I mean, Hal did everything first class and it was really neat to be a part of that. I mean, just to, you know, playing, you know, caddying for your country was a neat deal. Obviously did it a couple of times in, in some president's cups too, with a little more success. But I mean, yeah, that was a neat deal, and um, it was a it was a different animal. I got to tell you, it was way different than just a regular tour event. Is the pressure different or the same as playing in a major for the team event? I mean, for the yeah, Ryder Cup? I mean, when you're a part of a Ryder Cup, I mean, is the pressure the same or is it different? I'm 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 you know you're not probably not going to believe this, but for the players, it's more because they're playing for like you know, 11 other guys. And, you know, when you're on a major, obviously there's pressure, but it's you. And if, you know, if things don't go your way, then you've got you. But when you start going out and partnering with someone and, you know, you got other guys relying on you, it's a little bit of a, you know, it's a different kind of feeling. And sometimes guys handle it better than others. Um, so that that's the best way I would explain it. I mean, I try and we try to caddy the same way you would in a normal event because the bottom line is, you know, you still need to get the ball in the hole fast. So, I mean, but there, there definitely is a different feel for it, and it, it's definitely, um, with golf being an individual thing, you know, the, the one thing I say about golf as a professional sport, it's pretty unique. It's really the only sport where a player actually has someone out there with them every step of the way, you know, goes along the journey with them, you know. I mean, most everything else is individual, you know, outside of, you know, coaches calling timeouts and all that kind of thing. So, the team thing really does bring a different aspect to to the whole, you know, scenario and the mental approach. And Andy, you've been a part of nine different Masters tournaments, and we all know how well Augusta National treats the players and the patrons. And you mentioned here how well Hal Sutton treated you guys at the uh, at the Ryder Cup. 
What's it like being a caddy at Augusta National? How are, how are the caddies treated there? I mean, really good. They're a lot better now. I mean, than but always very good. I mean, we always had great parking there. I mean, as you know, traffic is a challenge. And, you know, they always took care of us as, you know, as good as could be expected. I mean, that is, it's one long week. It's a lot of long days. Um, you know, but, you know, if you're at the Masters, then, then, you know what? That's where you want to be. I mean, it's, people don't realize how hilly and, and how, how, how exhausting Augusta National is. I don't know if you've been there, but, you know, wearing yeah. the overalls and doing all that kind of deal. I mean, it's a long day. And I, you know, I'm not saying that to complain, but I mean, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but it's such a thrill and it's so exciting and so electric, you know, being the only major that you go to the same course every year makes it really cool and unique. So, you know, if you're there, you're, you're doing pretty good or, or you've had a pretty good year. Yeah, but you know, take that a step further, Andy, because I've I've often wondered, and I've been fortunate to to be to go out to the Masters every year since '01, and as we've said often on this show, it, the TV doesn't do justice to the elevation changes and what the topography of the golf course is like. And there you are, right? You you mentioned you got the white overalls on, you got a bag that I'm sure is weighing 50, 60 pounds, you know, over your shoulder, and you're going up and down those hills all day long. That's got to be one of the most exhausting events, and you know, and then you're doing it all week long for the practice rounds, and then you got the par three, and then you've got the, the tournament itself. That's got to be a heck of a grind for that week. You know what? It, it is a grind, but you know what? You kind of plan it out. You kind of, kind of, you know, pace yourself. I want to say. I mean, the other thing that we do there too is, you know, I, you know, I always went out and got all the pins, so you had to get up early, whether you were playing at one o'clock or whatever, 10 o'clock, they, you could go out and watch them set the pins. And, you know, a lot of us go out there and used to get those and not just count on the pin sheets. So there's a lot of like behind the scenes work that a lot of people aren't aware of that goes on there. But again, the, the emotion and the, and the high of being there, I mean, guys will do it over and over and over and never feel a thing. I mean, you have those, you know, certain times where we've had rain delays and long days and, all that kind of thing, but that's all part of it. You're there to try to have your player put that green jacket on on Sunday, and pretty much everybody that's there will do anything they can to see that happen. And Andy, for all of us that love that golf tournament and love that golf course, I think we all think we know it so well because it's it's a tournament it's in the same place every year, and and it's a major, and and for a lot of us, it's our favorite major. But I'm guessing the course isn't exactly the same that we think it is year after year when you've gone back all those times, did you notice like, are the greens different, even though they look the same or the undulations different is it, or is it exactly the same as you remember it from the year before? No, it was, it was never the same. And, and whether they put a different wrinkle in a green or they put, you know, um, you know, they might've changed a T they didn't really, you know, they, they would tweak the course every year. And because they didn't want anyone to really know, like, a certain putt, like, oh, I saw this on TV five years ago. This is going to go in. But, you know, they don't really want that. And as, you know, now with this equipment, the way the equipment's going, for instance, I was there in 97 when Tiger blew the place up, right, 18 under. Well, next thing you know, you know, they, they showed up the next year, and there were bunkers where they weren't, there weren't bunkers. They, you know, they, they, like I say, they Tigerized the place. I mean, they had them out there 300, and there was no blowing it over the corner and into, you know, over into the 10th fair, you know, the 18th fairway and all, all that kind of thing. 
So they tweak it every year. I mean, they'll, they're tweaking it now. I mean, as you know, the courses get, it, it, it's, it's closed most of the summer and they just put little tiny, I mean, little tiny things in there, but you have to check it and you have to do your homework and be ready to go. Those three days of prep are huge there at, at the Masters. And Andy, if it, if it wasn't for people like Mr. Palmer in the 50s and the 60s and Mr. Nicholas in the 70s and then Tiger since the late 90s, you know, the game being more global now, certainly more prize money than there would have, there, you know, that there used to be thanks to Tiger coming out on tour and, and all of the sponsors and all of the hype and everything that he's done to grow the game. Have you, have you ever talked to Mr. Palmer, Mr. Nicholas or Tiger and talked to them about the impact that they had on the game and certainly the amount of money that your players were able to play for and win? Well, I mean, actually, you know, in, in, when once Tiger came to the scene, I mean, the, the purses basically went up like five times. I mean, when I started caddying, like first prize was 90,000 bucks. I mean, they were $500,000 purses. So now all of a sudden Tiger shows up and it isn't too long before like the winner's getting paid a million. So every time we won, I used to go up to him or whenever I saw him. I mean, we didn't necessarily play like, you know, the, the same schedule, but I used to go up and thank him. And he'd look at me and he'd go, you know, what, what are you talking about or whatever? And I would say, hey, Tiger, look, my guy made a million bucks last week. I got 10% of that. If that you know, that, that wouldn't happen if you didn't come to golf. So he'd just kind of give you a wry, wry smile and he'd walk off, you know, and very, you know, immodest about it all. But yeah, and obviously, been you know the road was paved by Arnie and and Nicholas and Trevino and those type of players you know that that they they you know Fuzzy Zeller and and Curtis Strange and all and you know all these people they they brought their excellence to the game which helped amp it up for all these other guys so I mean everybody gets credit you know it's just fortunate that you know the money really started coming to golf a little bit right before the you know, right before the millennial really when Tiger hit the scene because. He exploded the thing. There's nobody that moves the needle like he does. And Andy, you were also there with Michelle Wee when she was just 16 years old, out there competing against the guys on the PGA Tour at the 2006 84 Lumber Classic. What was it like being there for Michelle? And you know, how did you and how did she keep herself motivated, focused, calm, all those sorts of things? With I'm sure there had to be a million distractions going on for her that week. Yeah, well, I mean, they hired me, you know, their, their team hired me to, uh, come out there and I caddied the week before over in Switzerland for at the, at the, um, Omega Masters. So we had kind of a warm up week over there and she is a fantastic kid. I mean, she was an absolute treat to work for and she is, I can tell you, she was not scared of anybody. So, I mean, all I basically tried to do is, you know, go out there and just try to, you know, encourage her and, and just basically try to help her out like I would anybody else. Um, but she was, she was pretty, pretty fantastic. I mean, you know, it was, it was, you know, the odds weren't really with her to be able to make, you know, to make a cut out there against them. I mean, she played and hit the ball at that time. She was hitting the ball 275. That's pretty good for a 16 year old, you know, I mean, she was hitting it by some of the guys we played with. (laughs) So, I mean, it was a complete treat to, to caddy for her. Obviously, you know, later on she had more of her, you know, finally got her major and has, has had, you know, some injury problems lately or whatever. But, I mean, it was a great experience. And, and like I said, I was amazed 
by by her composure and her focus because you know playing with guys that you know it didn't bother her one bit and Andy, I, I imagine sort of life as a caddy is similar to as as I would think for a referee in, in basketball or an umpire in, in, in baseball. You know, if we hear your name during a tournament, it's usually not because, you know, social media is saying, gee, what a great job Andy Lano and, and the caddies are doing out there. It's probably not for all, all the right reasons. So what's it like as a caddy out on tour? You're sort of there with your guy. But you also, if your name is is out there, it's probably not a good thing. What's it, what's life like as as a caddy from a recognition perspective? Well, from from it's actually evolved, you know, in the favor of the caddy. I mean, more and more caddies are getting recognized, and more and more the announcers are speaking about them. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but I mean, I think it's the beginning of either the end of last year, or whatever. There's been the caddy network has been created. And um, that's a specific network just for caddies. Um, so cat, from from the from the time that I started to now, I mean, caddying it's it's big time thing. I mean, there's a lot of folks that are interested in what the caddies are doing, what they're saying. There's a lot of very good players, uh, the caddies out there that they can really really play that just weren't quite good enough to be a PGA Tour pro. But I'll tell you what, if you went out and played around with them. You wouldn't, you'd try to scratch your head and figure out, you know, why. I mean, I know Webb Simpson's caddy, Paul Tesori, outstanding player. Ted Scott, outstanding player for Bubba Watson. So, I mean, the caddies, you know, they, they, uh, they, they're getting a lot more recognition, you know, and when their guy gets in the light, you know, even the other day, you know, you know, Brennan, Brennan Little, you know, another guy that, you know, caddy from Mike Weir in 2003 and then lo and behold, 16 years later, he gets another major with Gary Woodland. So, I mean, there's some great, great caddies out there. And, you know, the best thing is, is you just try to hang in there with your player and just kind of go along for the ride. And when he calls on you, you, you know, you give him what you, what he needs and, and go from there. Andy, just a couple more before we let you go. And you started a wonderful business where people can tap into your mind and your experiences to better understand the strategy of playing the game of golf. Talk about what you're doing with Golf Mastery. Yeah, so Golf Mastery, so I'm, what I've basically done is is take this my 25 years of walking next to the, the greats and seeing how they practice and seeing, you know, what they do to prepare and and then taking my craft, which my, my job was to go out into the course and kind of sit, you know, take it apart and figure out where do we want to play, what's the strategy, where can we shoot the lowest score from, et cetera. So basically I've kind of rolled that all up, you know, into a few different areas, you know, one for younger kids to try to inspire them to play golf and try to, you know, invest in golf as a lifetime sport because there's no limits in golf. If you want to be, you know, a scratch player, you can be a scratch player. If you want to be a 10 or a 15, you can be that too. But golf, as you know, it's international game. It's, it's, you know, it, there's no limits on sexes, religions, ages. It brings everybody together. I mean, I've been fortunate. It's brought some of the greatest people in my life, you know, to me just being involved with golf and even the PGA Tour, some of my best friends. But basically, it's just trying to have people, you know, kind of take a better look at, you know, how to lower your score. And whether you're a 15 handicapper or a 5 handicapper, there's always ways, strategy-wise, that you can be you know, practicing to lower your score. And that's basically what I focus on. 
is trying to do that with folks and trying to get them fired up to play golf and, and invest in it. Andy, before I let you go, I know you're being from Maine, and I've seen some pictures of you in a Red Sox polo shirt. I'm a Red Sox fan as well. Got to get your thoughts. Sweet. Can this team, uh, can they get it together? Can they? Can we repeat? What are your thoughts? Well, I got to say, I had an absolute blast last year because I went to four and five at Dodger Stadium. So that was wow. a fun item for me to to attend that, and um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I've I've been to a Patriots Super Bowl, I've been to a Celtics Championship, and I hadn't been to see the Bruins, but uh, I was hoping last week. But anyway, I mean. I, I, I'm, I don't think Patrick, you know, he's not real thrilled to know that, you know, you and I are Red Sox fans because, you know, he's a big Yankee <laughs> fan. And, and, and whenever that's we right. get that going, that's, that's, that's not a good subject. But I, I think, you know, I think they're getting it together. They haven't had Evaldi at all. So, I mean, you know, right. they're five or six above. They're, try, they're trying to get, you know, they're not, they're trying to get it together here and make a run. I mean, they're still, for not playing very great, According, you know, I haven't seen them a lot, but I've been keeping an eye on them. Obviously, they're they're doing fine. I mean, it'll be interesting to see when they get everybody healthy and in line. You know, if they can make a run, because you know their goal is just to get in. You know, to get into the playoffs, whether it's a wild card or not, they're going to be dangerous. So it'll be interesting to see. But you know, long way to go. You know, we haven't even played half the season, so a lot lots can right. happen. 162 games. Andy, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you continue to do, again, on your website and then over social media as well. Right, yeah, they can um, – uh, social media, it's, it's – uh, Twitter is at ALANO2, and Instagram is AGLANO2. And then, of course, uh, the website is uh, www.golfmastery.net, and that basically has um, – all the options and the things that I'm offering and there's some unique things on there and, and as all my information has basically, you know, it's, I call it like my calling card cause it's basically put a lot of time and effort to the, to the content and the input in there. And basically, you know, it, it, it basically vets what I've done for 25 years, you know, on the tour. And I'm, you know, I'm looking to try to share that with folks and help them, you know, have a bigger smile on their face when they're done putting the pin in on 18. There you go. That's fantastic. Andy, it's been great having you as part of this show. And I know we've only scratched the surface of the stories and the things that you've been a part of, and then continuing to get updates for what you're doing at golf mastery. I hope you'll come back and join me again soon to share more of your stories with us. Well, I've enjoyed it, Chris, and I really appreciate it. And yeah, I'd love to come back. Just let me know and, and we'll make it happen for sure. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Andy. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to having you back on the show soon. That is Andy Lano. And uh, I tell you what, folks, you, you look back over the course of his uh, caddying career and the, and the people that he's been on the bag for. Again, we talked an awful lot about Kenny Perry, but he's been there for Tom Watson and Peter Jacobson and Nick Faldo. And the list just goes on and on. Curious to hear some stories about our good friends, Dave Stockton Jr. and Richard Zuckel. So um, looking forward to having Andy back on the show again real soon and uh, catching up with him. Again, golfmastery.net is his website. Check him out and see what he's got uh, available for you.